You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Yessi Morillo. She is a Senior Vice President in Global Diversity and Talent Management at Citi. She's serving as the Strategic Advisor to the Hispanic and Latino population. She's also a professor of ethics and management at Fordham University, an award-winning entrepreneur. She's given a TED Talk, and she's the mom of two young men and an overall fabulous Taurus. Yessi, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me. I'm super excited to be here, super excited to talk to the audience, and let's have some fun with this. All right. Well, I love that invitation. So let me swing it right back to you. Tell us something fun about you. A little fun fact. Fun about me. So I can work a room. I am an extraordinary networker, but I am an introvert. And people do not believe me when I say I'm an introvert. They're like, no, not you. I absolutely (laughs) am. I love to have my alone time, my critical thinking time, and just my time to be. We spend our whole days talking, talking, talking. So sometimes we just need that kind of laid back. So totally an introvert, but an extraordinary extrovert. Oh, wow. All right. Well, you present as quite extroverted. So (laughs) I love that we are already busting myths right and left. So anybody out there who's ever thought to yourself, perhaps, you know, I'd love to be on a podcast or I'd love to be on a panel or I'd love to do this, but I can't do public speaking. I'm an introvert. Right then and there, we've already destroyed that excuse for you. You may not. That myth is done. Yes, yes, that myth is done. Proof positive here. Stick around for the entire episode just to see how wrong you've been, how right she is, and how much you have (laughs) potential to do all that and more. So with that, yes, give us a little bit more information about you and City. What's your elevator pitch? So my elevator pitch is not really an elevator pitch. It just naturally comes out as I talk to people. I am an advisor focused on curating and implementing a strategy that makes us an employer of choice for the Hispanic and Latino population. What does that mean? That means that, number one, I love to see people win, but we have to focus on how do we attain the right talent, retain the right talent by being able to give them the leadership tools, the support, the development, the mentors, and the sponsors that they need for professional and personal growth. And last but not least, that we're also serving the community of Hispanics and Latinos. And so my role is to not just be an advocate for the population, but be exposed person, as well as be strategic and forward-thinking leader that has her pulse on what is going on in, in the world with Hispanics and Latinos. What is it about an organization that makes it an employer of choice? An employer of choice is for me, and I'll speak from my perspective because depending on who you ask, the answer can change. Of course. But employer of choice is one where you absolutely feel 
that you belong, that there is space for you in the organization and that you matter. And I know that I certainly feel that I belong. And it's not because I work in diversity, it's because I've worked in other areas of the organization as well. And in each and every one of those areas, I did feel like I belonged. Second, that I am mentored, sponsored, and developed. And in every role that I have had, I have had that support. So that is an employer of choice where you can come in as you are, be authentically who you are, belong in the space and be equipped and developed to move upward. Now, I'm going to dig into two more terms that you use there because I think they are terms that get often conflated and clearly they shouldn't be because you just used them separately. The Mm -hmm. difference between being mentored and being sponsored. Absolutely. What's the difference there for people who really never thought about it before? So a mentor is someone that talks with you. You can go to them for advice. You can go to them to figure out how to navigate certain places, certain things. You can go to them for strategy. I've utilized my mentors in different ways, but when I'm strategically thinking about how to move into my next, I definitely lean on my mentors. A sponsor is someone who speaks for you on your behalf when you're not in the room. A sponsor is also someone who bets on you. If they speak about you, they're speaking about you in a way that affords you opportunity, whether that's a promotion, whether that's engagement with a new client, whether that's engagement with a really big project, whether that's exposure, but that person is betting on you. So a sponsor is someone who can get you to the next level with their influence. I think that's really important. Uh, and I, not everybody needs to be formally labeled necessarily, Absolutely. I'm sure, as as mentor and sponsor. But I'm guessing that in a larger, more formally structured organization like City, being clear on somebody who is a mentor versus who is a, and I suppose a mentor can be more informal, but a sponsor is somebody who's going to be a little bit more actively identified. Absolutely. I think, you know, it depends on the person, again, as I mentioned, but I've had so many mentors and so many sponsors, and I can tell you to this day, not one of them I've ever said to them, you're my mentor or you're my sponsor. I think the ability to have both without necessarily labeling them or make it feel forceful or make it feel like, you know, it's a must doesn't make it feel genuine and authentic. So no one that has been my mentor has ever known that they were. Okay. And people that have been my sponsor, yes, when you have the opportunity publicly, you do say, you know, something like Laura has been a mentor and a sponsor in my career and has been crucial to my advancement. Absolutely. But on a daily basis, we don't walk around or at least I don't walk around saying that's my sponsor. That's my mentor. I just say, I engage with Laura. Words of wisdom. All right. People have lots of suggestions, lots of options out there. Seek your mentorship partner from whichever side of the desk today. And with that, Yessi, what's one of the big issues on your desk right now, constantly there? And how do you have to adjust your approach when you personally are talking to different key stakeholder groups about it? Absolutely. For me, the thing that is on top of mind is inclusivity and allyship. We want to ensure, or I want to ensure when I move through the things that I do for the organization, 
I want to ensure that people feel included. And I also want to be able to invite people to support those individuals and help them feel included. So when we talk about inclusivity, it means that you're included in the conversation, that you're included in the decision-making, that you are included in the opportunity to express your concerns and that you have a voice, that you know that you have a voice and that you have a platform where you can go and speak about your concern. And then from the leadership perspective that I'm able to sit back and listen and carefully listen. And I know there's going to be another question. And so I don't want to give too much away about the listening piece. Go for it. But that as an active leader that I am listening to why people may or may not feel included and then take note and see what I can do and what's possible. And people may feel included or not included for different reasons, but it's important that we try to capture as much as we can when it comes to that. Allyship is another very important aspect that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And allyship is just supporting someone who does not look like you, who does not work in the same area as you, but can benefit from learning from you and can benefit from you advocating on their behalf. It also means that you care about individuals as humans as they are, irrespective of their background, irrespective of their title, irrespective of their ethnicity or their race, and that you're willing to support their growth, irrespective of all of those things. So those are the top two things right now that span across all of the work that I do and that are really, really important to me. And I ensure that I'm inclusive and I'm ensuring that I am serving as an ally. So there's different stakeholder groups, right? Different people that you have to talk to about this, whether it's the board or it's you know the entire, all of your, your direct reports versus the wider organization, et cetera, clients. How do you have to adjust when you're communicating to one group versus the other about either of those topics, if not both? You know, in some ways, that's an easy question. Good. And then in some ways, it's a really hard question, right? Oh, even better. <laughs> We're going to go with the hard question, right? I think that, It depends on the individual and it may start with a question. It may start with, do you know what allyship is? And they may say, no, tell me more. Or they can say, I absolutely know what allyship is. And I serve as an ally on this, on this, on this, and at that. And then my response can be great. I invite you to also serve as an ally in this other area. If they tell me, no, I don't know what an ally is. I have three things that I can ask them or tell them about allyship. And it raises their curiosity and they want to engage with you. And so, you know, it depends on who you're speaking to. But a lot of times these terms are very common in the industry. And I don't know that I've run into anyone inside or outside of the organization that hasn't heard about being inclusive and hasn't heard about allyship. What they haven't heard about is how do they as individuals become allies and become agents of being inclusive. Do you find that when people hear those kinds of terms, Mm -hmm. allyship, for example, that there is any sort of concern where they are almost projecting too much responsibility or expectation for what kind of committed 
effort or activity they'll they would be expected. If I say, sure, I'll be an ally for the group. Does that mean I'm committing to weekly meetings, that I'm committing to doing this, that I'm committing to attending certain things? Do you have to work on disrupting or some of their preconceived notions about what it would mean to be involved? You know, it depends, right? Because I think that people are aware and sometimes they're just waiting to be asked. Mm. But they are also very transparent in saying, I want to help. Here's my bandwidth. So you can count on me for this. But if it's something that's more extensive and more lengthier, I may not be able to do that. I genuinely tell people, if you want to engage senior leaders and going back to the mentorship, the sponsorship, as well as engaging allies, you don't touch them when you need them. You start creating the relationships really on when you don't need something. And then as you curate that relationship in a very authentic way, where people know you and you know them, then asking them to become an ally or anything else becomes much easier. Understood. And then you have, there's another piece where people sometimes come up to me and say, Yesi, I know that you're focused on the Hispanic and Latino population. How can I help? What do you need me to do? How can I use my influence to help you with your strategy? And that's golden, right? So you have to also be ready to have your pitch to say, hey, Laura, thank you for offering to be of service. Here's the one, two or three things that you can do to help us. Yes. So I really encourage people to, as you approach your stakeholders, don't approach them with an ask from the onset. Approach everyone just to meet them know their names, know what they do, and know how they serve the organization. The elevator is one of the most underutilized networking tools on earth. The actual elevator. The actual elevator, going up and down the elevator. And I share this a lot with people because they always say to me, the elevator? (laughs) Not the elevator. Like in the elevator, no one speaks, right? Because everyone's coming up. They just want to get to their desk. But Laura, a simple good morning just sparks conversation. And I've met more people that I work with today in the elevator than actually walking around my floor Mm. or at a networking meeting or at an outside networking event. Interesting. So just simple conversation, a simple hello, like, you know, how about that Super Bowl? And then we get into another conversation. I love the color of your jacket. We get into another conversation. Is it Friday yet? Oh, what are you doing this weekend? And they reveal an interest and then may find out that I'm also interested. Next thing you know, we're having coffee on a Saturday or coffee at lunchtime to engage, you know, to exchange ideas. And I want to remind everybody out there, all this is spilling out of an introvert. So I don't want to hear it. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. Absolutely. Keep going. But you know what? Good morning is free. And it has nothing to do with being an introvert or an extrovert, right? Good afternoon is free. Have a great evening is free. And sometimes just it breaks the silence of four people in an elevator. So a really quick story. Go to lunch a couple of weeks ago. There are four people in the elevator with me. I know none of them. I say good morning. Good afternoon. One of them says, I wonder what they're going to have, you know, today at the global station. We change food every day to represent a different country. And then the other one says, oh, I'm in the mood for this. And next thing you know, we're just all talking. We all head over to the cafeteria 
and we all have lunch together. And I've made three new friends and each one of them has made three new friends. And now we have a standing every month getting lunch together. And that's how we continue to keep our relationships going. That's beautiful. I know more about them. They know more about me. And now one of them is doing a panel discussion a couple of weeks from now and has invited me to be part of that discussion. And so through that network, I will meet other people. So again, just Elevator is like the most underutilized networking tool out there. Utilize it. And in that utilization, I think I'm hearing an organically emerging listener 24-hour influence challenge. So I'm going to ride this wave or ride this elevator, as the case may be. And Yessie, what kind of 24-hour influence challenge can we levy to our guests from this story? I challenge your guests to approach someone that they've never spoken to before in their organization and just introduce themselves and ask them what they do. In the elevator. In the elevator or in the lobby or maybe in the elevator bank while you're waiting for the elevator. All right, there you go. Utilize that tool. Just take a walk around the floor. So we're going to use the tool and whether you're walking down the hall on the way to the elevator, in the lobby, waiting for the elevator to come up or wherever it is, you've got however many flights you're about to go up in the elevator, introduce yourself. Just say hi, ask them what was the question, like what they do for the company what they do for the company, tell them what you do for the company, and then perhaps even stretch a little bit and say, would you mind having coffee with me for 10 minutes so we can learn more about what we do and how we can support one another? Just because you don't work with someone directly, peer-to-peer support and peer-to-peer mentoring is crucial for your growth. Relationships matter. Absolutely. And they can start in an elevator. I love it. Okay. Then we've been talking about a lot of success stories here, but I'm guessing. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that you are actually human absolutely, and have made a mistake here or there in life at some point. So what's a communications related mistake that you made? Well, when we talk about mistakes, I can write a whole book on mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) One communication mistake that I have made is not knowing my audience well, as well as not having the right information when I needed it. Is it you asked him or her to just, hey, want to be an ally for this group? And he said, what does that mean? Or where was the gap? I simply said, I'm looking for support for the population that I am representing and would love to engage you. And he said, tell me more. What do your numbers look like? What are you looking for? Mm. And I simply could not answer. I wasn't nervous or anything. I definitely know my stuff, but I just couldn't answer the question directly. And so instead of giving him the actual information, what I said, perhaps we can schedule some time for me to give you more. But I had already lost the opportunity. So even though I did reach out again to get the person to give me some time, got really, really difficult. And I missed the boat. I completely missed the boat. So now, as I said, it was a learning moment and I have my pitch ready whenever I go into a networking event. And again, this is another elevator moment. I have met the CEO of our organization on the elevator. Mm. And you know how we connected? I had a purse and the purse had a cute little teddy bear. And she just said, I love your bag. And I was 
on my phone in the elevator, just looking straight at my phone. And I acknowledged that she said, I love your bag. And I said, thank you very much. And as I look up, I'm like, oh, that's the CEO. And then I said, hello. <laughs> I should probably pay attention. Pay attention, right? So like, don't keep your face into a phone. And then I had the opportunity to just quickly say to her, you know, we're ringing the bell on Friday. And she's like, what's the occasion? I said, Hispanic Heritage Month. And she's like- Ringing the bell oh. meeting at the Stock Exchange in New York. Yes. Okay. Uh, a very exciting moment for all of us. Yes. But I just expressed that we're ringing the bell in celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. And she said, wonderful. That's exciting. And I said, would you mind a picture? And she said, absolutely. Let's take a picture. So again, you know, when I see her again, I can potentially either ask for another picture, talk to her about something else, but she's always going to remember my bag. Yes. And it doesn't mean that I have to wear something every day that someone's going to remember. But this is how, again, relationships start. She remembers that bag. I'll see her again. I'll say one small thing just to spark a small conversation. and. That's how I've had 20-year mentor relationships that turn into friendships. Yes. So everything begins, what's the, the expression, a journey of a thousand leagues begins with a single step. Or a single word in our case, right? Yes. Yes. Have to start with hello. You can go wherever you want from there. So now, what's an approach that you've used when you've needed to address an accountability issue with somebody on your team? I'll take it from the point of when I was a manager. And there was a situation where we had a huge conference happening and the person was in charge of a, of a large piece of execution that wasn't being executed as diligently as we would have liked it to be executed. And I just, you know, asked her to speak and I said, this part is really crucial to our success. And when you win, I win, we all win. And I just need to know from you if you are able to execute this piece and what help can I provide to help you and what may be getting in the way of you not executing and ask for honesty. And if the person says, look, I just can't, it's too much, then as managers, we have to figure out how to get someone else to come in. But I think being transparent with them, not being accusatory, not being, you know, not saying things like you're slacking or you let the ball drop or anything, but just reiterating the importance of executing these pieces for the success of the team and the firm is what's important. And how did that person respond when you approached that way? In that current situation, the person was very appreciative of being able to be understood and being able to express themselves and being able to say, this is why I have not been able to do this. And sometimes you can't be afraid to say that you can't complete something. Sometimes I have made the mistake of thinking that I need to have something fully baked and perfected before I present it to my manager. And my manager has had transparent conversations and saying, just give me something that I can work with, that we can start with, right? Because you can bake something and then it may be completely opposite of what's needed. So if you start with something, even if it's half baked and presented, it can actually be better that something than something that's perfected because that allows the diversity of thought to be embedded 
that allows the other individual to add their expertise. That allows you to also like spark your curiosity. And it also allows for a more complete picture. That person may give you something that you never thought of that can be brilliant to the success of your project. So I think it's important to just be open when you're having these conversations and not be defensive. Yes. And then just not be afraid to say, I need help. We need to work on that as humans in general. But to be honest, wearing the cape, doing it all by yourself and thinking like, I got this. And it's, you know, a thousand step journey is not a badge of honor. Sure. Yeah. Scars are not necessary. We don't need them. Let's go back to that team piece. At least not for me. I have enough. (laughs) I think we all do. We really don't need to inflict any more on ourselves. It seems utterly unnecessary to say the least. And when we're trying to do that work really well, it's usually for hopes of of continued progression in the organization uh, in the long-term view. So if someone in city wanted to move up into a more senior leadership role, aside from their technical expertise, of course, what's one skill they'd have to demonstrate to you in order to prove to you that they're ready and why? Off the top of my head, I would want to say that you have a track record of doing the work, of doing the right work. And I'll add a personal piece to this because this was very crucial to me as I moved up the ladder and as I moved into different roles. Everybody knows that I'm a hard worker, right? I can work long hours. I can work on hard things. But am I working on the right things? How do you demonstrate to somebody that you're you're making those choices and working on the right things, not just working hard? The right things mean that you are aware of your surroundings. You are aware of what the strategy for your department, for your group, for your remit is, and that your work is aligned to that execution. So you have to be aware. That means that you have to listen. You have to engage. You have to ask questions. You have to ask for one-on-one time with your manager or your manager's managers or even the stakeholders that are engaged. A lot of times we create working groups. And in those working groups, you learn so much about what's happening with certain work streams. So you know you're doing the right work when your work is aligned to what the team is executing. If you're way off, you know, working on something else, you have to figure out a way to bring yourself back. And I think something else that you mentioned is important, not just for the sake of ensuring that you are working on the right things, but the idea of having those conversations, confirming with people, uh, you know, checking in along the way, I mean, depending on who the manager is, who the who's part of the team, how much check in of what kind, you know, that's always going to depend. Some people are a lot more hands on, et cetera. But nevertheless, having those touch points along the way, I think there's so many people who feel like I should be able to apply for a promotion when I want or I shouldn't have to apply at all because my boss should just know when I'm ready and should just offer it to me. Mm -hmm. But either side of that particular coin, there's an underlying assumption that my work should speak for itself, that I shouldn't have to prove this or show that, that as long as I do good work, that's all that should matter. And what I'm hearing you say is, no, actually having those explicit conversations with your direct leaders, 
or other people who are decision makers keeps them more consciously aware of your thought processes, of how you work, of what you're working on, et cetera, because they got their own stuff to pay attention to. They may not be recognizing those smaller decisions that you're making along the way because they can't only focus on so many things at once. They got all these people reporting to them, et cetera. So making those explicit conversations helps your data become top of mind more consciously for them. So it's your work doesn't necessarily completely speak for itself or at least maybe the work speaks for itself. It doesn't speak for you. So these conversations help fill that gap. Am I on target on this, Yessie? You are. And I like to use an acronym that I've had for many, many years, PI, performance, inclusion, and exposure. So if you are one of those people that's just keeping your head down, doing your work, and you and only your manager know that you're doing this, you're not going to get promoted because your work is not exposed to the right people. So performance, number one, is doing your work, doing it well, doing it above marker. Inclusion is ensuring that the work that you do is part of a bigger picture. And exposure is that people know you, not that you know people, that people know you. And when people know you and your work is included in the bigger picture, then you are more likely to get a promotion than just keeping your head down, doing your work and just hoping that your manager or your manager's manager may speak up for you. The other thing is too, if you want a promotion, ask for it. Mm. And I remember one particular manager many, many years ago when I was early in my career at a completely different company, and I was up for a promotion. I knew that because I knew what it took Mm. to get promoted and I didn't get promoted. And when I went back to ask, why wasn't I promoted? Everything that I knew that I was supposed to do was done. And you'll never guess what my manager told me. He said, I didn't know that you wanted a promotion. Mm, Wow. And if I would have just said to him somewhere in the middle of the year, this is what I've been doing, or even at the beginning of the year when performance reviews are done, Maybe one of the questions is when you have an excellent performance review is, okay, what does this mean to me? How do I get to the next? What's my next? How do I get to the next level? And begin those conversations. You don't start promotion conversations when it's promotion season. Right. You start them way before. So I think it's important for you to, like I said before, be an amazing performer, ensure that your work is included in the overall goal of the team or the department that you're in, and that you have exposure, that people know what you do, when to come for you for what, and that they can speak on your behalf as being a subject matter expert. Beautiful, amazing advice. And I think that's so important. People wait until it's promotion time to ask for the promotion. No, it's like, trying to plant seeds at harvest time. It doesn't work that way. You need to give them the full growing season and plant well in advance. So thank you for planting those seeds, hopefully in everyone else's ears, minds, and hearts. Yes, I know that we could talk for another hour with no problem whatsoever, (laughs) despite your claims to introversion, which I don't know, I'm still going to like the jury's out on that one. You're not not buying it on that one, are you? (laughs) Not yet. No, not yet. So we'll see. But that notwithstanding, how can people learn more about you and City? Absolutely. So if you want to learn about City, you can go to city.com, citygroup.com. 
you can visit our career center if you're interested in a role at the organization. And our site is full of amazing facts about all the wonderful things that we do, all the campaigns that we have running, whether it's our campaign on zero tolerance, meaning that there is no hunger in the world, to one of our largest deals that we've just executed, to our global presence, and to the efforts that we put in every single day to ensure that there is economic progress across the world, that's the place to go. If you want to learn more about me personally, yesimurillo.com, and there you'll see more about my journey having grown um, not only at City, but as an entrepreneur, as an author, as a mom. That's been my biggest and most important job in the world and as a human being. Yesi, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's been terrific talking to you. It's been an honor to be with you, Laura. And thank you so much for inviting me and entrusting me with your audience. Absolutely. And I know they are going to, hopefully you'll be getting truckloads of reach outs on LinkedIn and other places on yesimarillo.com. So this has been terrific. I appreciate all your wisdom and insight and some fun along the way as well. Absolutely. Thank you. To the rest of the guests out there, thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And of course, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.